Uh, morning, everyone. Uh, we're continuing uh, this morning our series in the letter of Ephesians. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the church in Ephesus, the church that he started, encouraging them and giving them instructions. Uh, and we've entitled this series, One New Family. Uh, one of the things that happens when we receive Jesus into our lives is that as new sons and daughters of God, we get the joy of being part of a new family, the church. Uh, Last week, Richard preached from the first part of chapter 4 and talked about there being unity in the family. Uh, At least I hope he did, because I was out doing children's work, but certainly that's what I've led to believe. Different people, different ages, different backgrounds, different stories, different nations, different languages, different cultures get to be part of this family joined together in Jesus living by the power of the same Holy Spirit. We are brothers and sisters together. Which is kind of weird when you look around, because a lot of us are nothing like one another. And yet, we're brothers and sisters together. And the church is to be a demonstration to the whole earth of a God who pulls down all the barriers that we put up as he unites us in Jesus. No one's excluded from this family because we all come through Jesus, not our own strengths and gifts and abilities. Phil prayed when he prayed early on about how God had rescued him and come. And it was like he didn't come with conditions, he just came through Jesus. And so it's to be our joyful desire to welcome more and more people into this family, regardless of where they come from, regardless of what they look like. We're a family who is open and welcome for people who meet Jesus. Now, God loves his family so much and he's passionate to see Christians and new Christians and spiritual babies grow and mature into wonderful, beautiful, mighty men and women of God, stepping into all that he has for them. The good news of the gospel is not, that just, not just that we can be saved by Jesus, but that we are being renewed into the image of Jesus. It's an ongoing thing. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been a Christian, you are still being made more like Jesus. In today's passage, we're going to take a brief look at his desire to grow and mature us. And then I'm going to give you the opportunity to, uh, I guess, respond with honesty, that together we might step further into all that God is putting before us. And so just let me pray briefly before we dive into uh, Ephesians. Uh, Holy Spirit, we understand and we increasingly understand that our need for you is complete and utter that we are outside of you and outside of you at work in our lives, living in our own strength and our own abilities. And we know that that will only get us so far before it lets us down and we run out. But the good news is, Holy Spirit, that we don't have to live that way, but we can live full of you. The one who comes and restores us and empowers us and sustains us and equips us and changes us and grows us and encourages us and and does wonderful things. We, We come to you, Holy Spirit. And so I pray for the duration of this sermon, would you come and would you fit our hearts and would you open our hearts to your words and our mind to your word and would you speak to us and would you change us and would you shape us and would we leave here more in love with you than ever we pray. Amen. I mean, okay, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, so you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be starting at verse 7. Uh, It will also be on the screen as well, if you need to look that way. Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 7, we're going to go in little chunks, uh, so we'll stop and start as we go. Ephesians 4, verse 7 starts, however... 
He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And we'll just pause there for a moment. Slightly weird start to our passage. It's a bit like, what does that really mean? Really, that passage is just telling us this. Jesus is victorious. That's what it's saying. Um, It actually quotes Psalm 68, part of Psalm 68 in the middle of that passage. The passage being quoted is Psalm 68, which is a, a psalm that talks about a king who conquers a city and comes in victory giving gifts to his people. Jesus came and walked the earth. He won the victory over sin and death. And now he rules and he reigns, giving victory to his people. Who are his people? We are his people. He rules and he reigns in victory, giving gifts to his people. Okay, so our king, Jesus, he is currently, at this moment, ruling and reigning completely, the utter, complete victor over all things, giving gifts to his people. Who is people? You and I. We're his people. And so if you're his people, if you're his person, your God, your king, is giving gifts to you. The first six verses of chapter 4 talk about there being unity in the body, about being one body together. However, in the one body, there is to be much diversity. And God has given each of us different gifts to be used to bless and build up the family of God. We're not all called to look the same. We're not all called to do the same thing. But we are all called to be a blessing to one another and to serve and strengthen one another. Okay, so we're not, we're not the same people. We don't do the same thing. But we do all have the same call. We get to bless one another. Let me ask you, do you take that responsibility seriously? Are you filled with a passion to bless one another? with outrageous blessing and service as we ourselves have been blessed by Jesus? Are you full of desire to serve and bless your family? Jesus, our victorious King, has given you gifts to bless and strengthen others with. What has he given you? How are you blessing others? You see, we can talk about this and never do it. We can talk about the truth and know the truth and never do the truth. In that case, who cares? My question is, how are you blessing others? You have been given as a gift to the family of God. How are you blessing others? You know, people here are gifted in all sorts of ways, just um, fabulously in different gifts, different strengths to one another, different ways. Um, I've got my notes here, pick on somebody. Uh, So, um, Steve... Sorry, Steve, but it's just easy to pick on. Uh, um, but I just, we all give different ways. Steve, you, you have a tremendous gift in leading people into worship and the presence of God. Like a tremendous gift. And last Sunday evening at the prayer meeting, Steve led us. And you know, it was just powerful. And it was such a gift at work, blessing the body. Okay, that's what it was. It was blessing the body. It's just so, I don't want to encourage you in your gift. I want to encourage you to keep pushing into it, to keep blessing others with it. It's a gift that serves others. And we ought to have gifts that serve others. 
And we encourage you to keep pushing into your gifts. Keep blessing others with your gift. Now it's cold. And so I hadn't planned to do this now, but I'm going to just so we don't lose circulation in our feet. Putting our coats on. Just want you to go and tell two people. And just say to them, I just want you to know that you're a gift to me and I'm a gift to you. Okay, we've all been given gifts by our victorious king. You have been given gifts. We have been given gifts that we might bless one another. Our passage then continues, picking up in verse 11 of Ephesians 4. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So Jesus, the victorious one, has given gifts to his church. Some of these gifts have been given are different gifts of leadership given to his family to build it up and to mature it. Not all gifts of leadership are the same. You get those who lay foundations, those who care and shepherd well, those who hear the leading of the Lord, uh, those who teach and preach and equip, and those who carry a fire in their heart to see the gospel spread around the world. Different gifts and different leaders who come together to serve the church, to build it up, to care for it, and to mature it in faith. Now let me tell you something about leadership in the family of God. It is never, ever about position, power, fame, or self. If that's the sort of thing that you're after, then I'm afraid you've got no business being a leader in the family of God. However, if you're about loving and serving others, if you're about living sacrificially, about pointing people to Jesus, about making much of God and living for him, and if you're wise enough to understand that you are not the finished article, then I guarantee you God looks at that heart with deep joy and will raise you up. We're, um, as it talks about, in this time where we're kind of wrestling through how do you respond to a call of revival? Like, genuinely respond to it rather than just kind of ignore it. How do you respond to it? What steps do we take? But here's something that I do think I know that if genuine revival is to hit our church and hit our town, we're going to need a lot more leaders. We're going to need a lot more people who are going to step up and take responsibility, who are going to lead people, who are going to lead people who don't know Jesus yet, who are going to mature them, who are going to bless them. We're going to need more leaders. There are many more leaders God will raise up. We just throw it out. Is that you? Is that you? Has God put it on your heart? Not position, power and fame, but serving others and loving others well. Making much of Jesus. If that's on your heart, I think God wants to raise you up. You see, Jesus is our model, isn't he? He's the king who came to humble himself, not to serve, not to serve, not to be served. He's our model of leadership. And he is the one who genuinely can make a claim for saying, I'm worthy, I'm holy, I'm awesome, worship me. And yet he came humbly to serve others. So one of the gifts that God has given to All Nations Church is its leaders. Now we don't talk about this very often. 
I certainly don't hear about preached about very often. Uh, probably because leaders are reluctant to talk about themselves because it kind of comes off as a bit self-serving. Okay, these are the sort of passages as a leader you think, well, we just avoid that because really you're talking about yourself. Fortunately for you this morning, I have no such issue. <laughs> the elders, trustees, leaders, group leaders, ministry leaders, anyone in any form of leadership in all nations has been given as a gift to the family of God to serve you, mature you, and point you to Jesus. Now, I need to tell you that leaders, they're not perfect. They're still learning and growing themselves, and so they will get things wrong, and they will let you down, and you just need to accept that right now. But they've been given as a gift to you by God. And we just don't talk about this properly. We live in a world where we see leadership constantly undermined, mocked, vilified, dishonoured, abused and misused. There seems to be a never-ending game of raising people up just with the intention of tearing them down again as quickly as possible. It's the way of the world, but it isn't to be the way of the church. The Bible says that God raises up leaders and gives them as a gift, and so we get to model a very different culture to the world. See, sometimes the church, I think, is, if it's not careful, the world light. So there's the world and how it lives, and there's the church, and what the church does, it lives like the world, but not quite as badly. That's not what we're called to. We're called to live in an entirely different way. And that's true whether it's how we deal and how we respond to leaders in the church, or how you respond to leaders in your places of work, or your family, or your schools, or anywhere else you might find. You know, I have um, three very beautiful, very precocious daughters, and uh, each of them, I have discovered, have had uh, and shared with me vocally their occasional issues with my parenting. Um, <laughs> normally, normally around times when I have had to discipline them uh, or not just given them what they want, they've questioned uh, how good a father I really am. Uh, and it's always an interesting conversation that normally involves me, me explaining to them, you know, you may not appreciate this now, but in 10, 15, 20 years' time, you're going to look back and you're going to thank God that I was your dad. Now, that's not a particular argument they're open to just at this moment <laughs> in, their, in their life, but, but I am clear with them. You are going to look back and you're going to be ever so thankful that I was your dad. And um, that's been true with me and my dad. Uh, I, I, when I was growing up, um, so, uh, so occasionally my father listens to my sermons, and just in case you are listening, you should know I've put up a picture of you that is uh, just capturing you in your glory. Um, <laughs> Well, it was the only picture I could find. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but when I was growing up, there would be, I guess, multiple times that I probably didn't honour my dad well, possibly at this moment, um, and um, didn't necessarily appreciate, appreciate his parenting. I'm clear now, a few decades into my life, that I was ever so blessed to have his leadership of him to father me. And actually, uh, I've been in church a long time. And 
I have uh, been in that time under many, many different leaders in different contexts, uh, most of whom, I'm just going to be honest with you, I have criticised roundly, occasionally to their face, mainly behind their back, because that's what we do. And so most of I've done that, who now, looking back, I look and think, you know, they were a real gift of God to me. And I didn't honour them in the moment, but they taught me some stuff that now I appreciate and that has served me so well. And just to uh, be honest with you, I want to tell you that it's going to be the same with you. <laughs> that God has given you leaders, and you may not appreciate them now, but there will be a moment when you look back on them and appreciate them as a gift. You know, we're in an exciting time as a church, living with amazing prophetic promises of revival, of the Holy Spirit blowing on his church and starting fires of revival through our neighbourhoods and towns and nation. Let me tell you, to have the privilege of leading people into this season is hugely exciting and massively terrifying all at the same time. You should know that. I want, leaders want, more than anything, everything that God has for us. It's our job. We want, to, we, want to be, we want everything that God has for us. We want you to have everything that God has for you. We want the church to step into all that God is calling into. It's our passion as leaders. But at the same time, alongside that, that step of faith that is scary. Because you're stepping into new things. You're stepping into new areas. And, and stepping into new things in faith is challenging. It's hard work. And so leading into a new season is just glorious fun and massively challenging all at the same time. And so I just need to tell you this. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders. Encourage your leaders. Bless your leaders. Forgive your leaders when they get it wrong. They do. Honour your leaders. We want you to have everything that God wants to pour out on you to build you up, grow you, and mature you, and release you to pursue God with your whole heart. Pray for your leaders. I know it might look like we know what we're doing sometimes, but a lot of the time we're kind of thinking, what do we do now? Pray for your leaders. And I'd encourage you to ask yourselves genuinely this question. Do I spend more time praying for my leaders or complaining about them? Do I spend more time praying for my leaders or complaining about them? And I can speak about this from a position of authority because as I have shared with you when I was growing up in church my whole life under many, many different leaders, I don't think I would pray for my leaders at all, but I sure had some opinions about them that I was very free to share. Now, this isn't a way of saying we don't get to hold leaders to account, we do. This isn't a way of saying leaders don't get things wrong because they get loads of things wrong. And so there should be good, open, honest discussion from a place of love, of forgiveness. But if you're not praying for your leaders, I say... In the context of the prophetic, 
promises that we're really wanting to push into. We want to avail ourselves of every opportunity to think, how can we respond to this and step into all that the Holy Spirit wants to do? And there are loads of things we need to do as a church for that, but one of the things is I need to tell you, you need to pray for your leaders. Those who have been given to you as a gift, who have the responsibility to try and lead you into this season, pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders. And I don't mean on a Sunday morning pray for them. I mean in your own times of prayer, day in and day out, pray for your leaders. They have been given to you as a gift. And to be honest, most leaders wouldn't stand up and tell you about this, but you need to know. Because this is the church being the church. This is us responding as a family of God to saying, well, how are we going to respond to see all the things we want God to do in this church? One of the things is I'm going to start praying for my leaders that they'd be able to lead us well, that they'd know what God is saying, that they would have faith and take steps of boldness, that they'd be able to lead the way. Pray for your leaders. They are a gift of God to you, to serve you, bless you, and to point you to Jesus. Pray for them. Now, fortunately, our passage moves on at this point. In verse 14, Paul continues, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that when the whole body, so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So there is no getting around this question. Are you pursuing maturity in Jesus in an active and real way? Is it a desire of your heart Are you growing in every way more and more like Christ? A picture of the body is used here. Each bit growing healthy, helping other bits to grow healthy, growing together as a body. God wants the best for his church. And so his desire desire is that the church would grow up and mature and be like Jesus. And I, I don't know that we always respond that well to the challenge to mature. Maybe it's the rebel in us, in our hearts, that wants to kick against being challenged. But here's what I know is true of me. I am very good at justifying my immaturity, of excusing my behaviour, of judging others rather than looking at my own heart, and of being offended when challenged. And if I'm honest, I suspect I may not be the only one. I know my kids really hate it, when I might just lovingly suggest to them that they need to grow up. What you get at that point is an eye roll, maybe a tut, and then they kind of walk away. They don't seem to respond to it well sometimes. In fact, I've even been found saying to my children the phrase, you're acting like a child, which of course slightly undermines itself because they are indeed children. However, the reality is we don't like to be challenged don't like to be told to grow up. And yet the wonderful thing is that the call to mature in Christ is actually an invitation to count the cost and become more like Jesus, to know more joy, to become more holy in our living and our choices, 
to know more of the presence of God, to know more of the love of God, to know more freedom in our worship, to know more joy in our generosity, to know more peace in our troubles, to know more renewing in our minds, to know more faith in our action. The, the call to grow up and mature is a beautiful invitation to pursue a deeper relationship with the God who created you and loves you so much that he sent Jesus to pay the cost so he could bring you into his family. Isn't this what we've been invited into in the Holy Spirit? What is the call to maturity? It's the call to know God more. It's the call to come further into him. It's the call to be changed more into the likeness of Jesus. It's, it's the call to know more worship and joy in our hearts. It's the call to be overwhelmed by his presence more. To mature is an invitation to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the glorious wonder that is our God. And just I want to say here, I felt this, that it's not pursuing a feeling, but it's pursuing a transformation in our lives and our living. When uh, Beck and I were dating, maybe, uh, I'd go and visit her and go to her church, which was uh, okay. And they would gather in the evenings, uh, some people who were friends, with an intention to pray, which sounds very good. But there were people there who only were interested in, I want the feeling. They didn't want to. Uh, be taught anything and they didn't change how they lived during the week but what they did want to do was come be prayed for and fall over and then go away and carry on living how they were living okay. we're not pursuing I want a nice feeling we're pursuing Jesus come and change me from the inside out so that I might live transformed and live differently in my day to day Okay, so this whole season about chasing God, pursuing God, wanting revival is not about a feeling. You may have a feeling, you may not have a feeling. It's about living differently as he changes you and transforms you. See, when maturity is thought of an invitation, as an invitation to go deeper into God, it becomes something to be desired and pursued, not hidden away from. God is maturing his family and making it beautiful and holy and lovely. And that's you and me. And because we've been sitting for a while and I want you to move around, I want you to go and tell three people, God is making you beautiful and holy and lovely. Just really, I just really, really want to encourage you. Don't wait for me to tell you. Just be on the front foot telling truth to one another. We live in a world of lies. We've got to be on the front foot telling truth to one another. Um, in our day to day are you pursuing maturity in Jesus in an active and real way is it a desire of your heart are you growing in every way more and more like Christ God has an expectation that his family will grow up and mature like Jesus you know Abby uh, my oldest daughter I remember the day that she started walking um, now uh, now, just, just between you and me, you must not tell her that I have put this picture up of her, okay? She is approaching being a teenager this year. Uh, she's not that keen now when I talk about her, so she's out of the room. This is just between us. <laughs> After this meeting, under no circumstances are you to communicate to her that this picture has been shown. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, 
I remember when Abby, Abby started walking, I'm pretty sure Beck and I were at other ends of the room, and as you do, you thrust your child to one another, and, and I take steps, and there was clapping, and there was cheering, uh, photos and videos were being taken, phone calls were being made to grandparents, um, it was just like, yeah! About 25 minutes ago, Abby got up and walked out of here, uh, I was going to youth, and no one batted an eyelid. There was no cheering, there was no clapping, there was no photos being taken, there was no phone calls to grandparents. Why? Because she's 12 and a half. She's matured, she's grown up. There's a whole bunch of new stuff now that she is learning and growing and maturing in that we're cheering her on in. She's never supposed to stay the same at that age. There's an expectation that she will grow up. And we're never supposed to stay in the same place. We're called to grow and to mature and to learn new things in God. We're to live behind childish habits. We're to build mature foundations in such a way that we're not taken in by the latest fads and the shiny things of this world. But to grow up in God, there's an expectation of it. Are you pursuing maturity in Jesus in an active and real way? Is it a desire of your heart? Are you growing in every way more and more like Christ? I said earlier that leaders were a gift to the church, but we're also a body and a family. We're a gift to each other. We get to serve one another and love one another and grow and mature together. And we're all at different stages. We've all got different stories. We've all got different gifts. We've all got different ways we need to mature. But let me ask you this. Who are you getting alongside to love them, help them, serve them and grow them? And who are you asking to come alongside you? to learn from and be accountable to? Who are you pouring yourself into to bless them and raise them up? And who are you asking to pour themselves into you so that you might still grow up and learn? You see, a lot of this remains theory unless we take steps in it. We're not called to be a church of theory. We're called to be a church of action where we serve one another genuinely. Who are, you, who are you going to and saying, I just want to pour myself into you, I want to bless you, I want to serve you, I want to raise you up in God? Gosh, I have lost my head. I wonder what that's prophetic for. <laughs> Nothing. Um, but also, who are you running after saying, look, I just see how God works in you and how you respond, and I want to learn about that. I see God's done some stuff in you, and I want to walk in that too. Teach me. That's what being a family is. As we, the All Nations family, step into 2019, as we look to respond to the stunning, glorious promises of God to us, as we look to press into the Holy Spirit and dare to pray for revival, let me ask you, are you pursuing maturity in Jesus in an active and real way? Is it a desire of your heart? Are you growing in every way more and more like Christ? The good news is that the gospel is not just that we can be saved by Jesus, but that we, that you can be renewed into the image of Jesus. And so I need to say to you, go for it. Run after him. Take hold of what he's doing and what he's going to do. It's a choice that we all have to make. How are you responding to him? 
What steps will you take to respond to him? Don't let it just be theory. Don't let it just be an idea. Don't let it just be a preach. What are you going to do in your lives? To say, I want to be different. I want to be more like him. I want to be changed. I want to take hold of what he's doing. Okay, what are you going to do and how are you going to respond? Let's stand. Um, My time is gone. And I really want to honour the children's workers for the work they do by not going on too long. But I am going to ask you to respond, but um, it's only going to be quick. So you need to be on the front foot of responding if you're going to. Uh, I just really felt this question, um, and it's true for all of us, so there's no exceptions here. Um, Just a question posed. Where do you need to mature? Where do you need to grow up? Now, Probably lots of places, but where do you need to mature and where do you need to grow up? Maybe it's in your behaviour. Maybe you're spending your life playing with sin. Yeah, we do. We play with sin. We convince ourselves it doesn't really matter. But sin binds us, sin burns us, sin hurts us, doesn't honour God. Maybe, maybe it's a call at this moment to grow up and step out of some sinful habits. Maybe, maybe you need to grow up in unforgiveness. Maybe you've been holding onto offence as a justification for not growing. Richard Greenwood always says about unforgiveness, it's a cup of poison you pour for somebody else and then drink yourself. It just knots you up inside and just creates this barrier and just stops you. And maybe it's a time of Stepping in to forgiveness. Maybe you need to mature in the area of lukewarmness. Maybe you're trying to have Jesus and have the world. Stepping in one camp and stepping in the other camp and and trying to live in both, but but the reality is not really enjoying either. Maybe it's a question that you need to make some choices about who's going to be Lord of your life. Maybe you're a person who's putting conditions on how God can encounter you. We, We do this so often. We look and we see how people move funny or fall over. I don't want to be like that. And that's okay, you don't have to be like that. But what you mustn't do is say, God, I want you, but I only want you this way. He's the God of the universe. Surely you want to say to him, God, however you want to meet me, I want to meet you. Maybe it's overcoming a critical attitude. I fall into this one again and again. I'm so full of opinions of people, of how they live and what they do and what they could do differently. So full of it. Maybe I need to grow up and want to be an encourager rather than a criticiser. There's a million other things it could be as well. You know, just a week and a half ago, I was in a meeting, and I was in a meeting and I was really crossing the meeting. And I was getting crosser and crosser and crosser about what we were talking about. Just furious on the inside. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Andy, you've got to grow up. It's just such a humiliating thing to be told and yet such a loving, humbling thing to be told as well. You've got to grow up. You've got to get over yourself. I was so offended when the Holy Spirit told me that and yet it was exactly right. And so this is what I'm just going to say to you now. If you, if you know 
that actually you need somewhere, there's something. I know I'm just immature in that. I need to grow up in it. I'm going to ask you to come and stand at the front and I'm going to pray. And you need to be quick because I want to let the children's workers go. And there's no shame in this. Look, I just want to, there's absolutely 100% no shame in this. I'm at the forefront of needing to grow up. Okay, I'm one of the elders in this church. Ten days ago, the Holy Spirit just had to say to me, take me your hand and say, you've got to stop this and grow up. You've got to grow up. How humbling for me. Just want to give you the opportunity. And um, just you at the front, I just want to encourage you to reach out. It's going to give you a moment. Maybe you just want to do business with God. It would involve your repentance, which is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. just want to say, Lord, we just come before you. Just thank you that you have made a way that we can come to you, that we can ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness, that the door is not closed. Lord, that actually at the cross, guilt and shame was dealt with, and we don't need to hide from you. You welcome us with open arms. So come to me. Let me help you. Let me love you. Let me change you. And so, Lord, we just come and just ask your forgiveness. So many ways. Lord, we're still learning and growing and get it wrong. And thank you, your passion is to take us and to grow us and to shape us and to make us more like Jesus. Your passion is one of just amazing love towards us. But, Lord, you're clear. You will have your way. And so our invitation now Lord, is have your way in us. That's our prayer. Have your way. In the areas that we find difficult, in the places that we hold on to, in the areas where we hold on to sin that can be difficult to let go, we just declare to you now, Jesus, have your way. Where it needs to be, come and change hearts. Come and change our minds. Come and renew our thinking. Where unforgiveness has taken a hold, come and free it now, I pray where bitterness has grabbed hold of us, come and wash it away. Where wrong thinking is just embedded, change it now in Jesus' name, I pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you sweep through us. Where lukewarmness reigns in our life, where we're a little bit in and a little bit out, I pray now would we make a choice to say, no, you're the Lord of our lives and I'll pursue you with my whole heart. I want you. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. We just say, come and encounter us as you want to encounter us. Right now, blow across those who've responded. Come and blow upon us. We say, have your way. Just re- we just receive from you. We just know in our heart of hearts, no matter what we're struggling with, we know in our heart of hearts, you are God, you are good, and in the end, we want you. And we want you to be glorified. Just now, just receive from him. You may feel something, you may not feel something. It doesn't matter. He is here to meet with you. He is here to change you, not just for this meeting, but for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We don't want a moment. We want lives that are changed. Our Lord. Just, there's time, just receive Just let the Holy Spirit keep blowing upon you, keep resting upon you. Just be honest with God. I mean, he knows it all anyway. 
you try and play games with him. He already knows. So let's be honest with him. What the struggles are. Let's be honest with him. Let him come and love you. Actually, this is what the invitation for this is. That he, let him come and love you. Oh, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this is an ongoing journey and that your passion is to keep making us more like Jesus. And we know we'll get bits wrong, but we know that you keep pursuing us and you don't give up on us and you keep chipping away and moulding us and shaping us and you'll never be done with us and you'll never leave us alone because you are good and you're faithful and you're awesome. And we just keep saying, please, Jesus, please, 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 keep making me more like you. Keep changing me into your likeness. Keep having your way in my life. Transform me. Help me to live for you, I pray. Oh, Lord.